Welcome back to another episode of Ales with Aslan, your weekly therapy session for those that sell for a living and those who coach those who sell for a living. I am really excited this week to have a new friend of mine, Blake Buse, who comes to us from Allencom, a partner of ours that we've done some extensive work with. And we'll talk a lot about that partnership as we get in. But, but first of all, welcome, Blake. Welcome to the show. Hey, thanks, Scott. Thanks for having me. Yeah, we're happy to have you. This is going to be a fun one. And of course, with the name Ales with Aslan, you probably have figured out what that first step's going to be. So why don't I let you as my guest go first and tell me what you're drinking today? Sure. I think that oftentimes, you know, I live in Salt Lake City and Salt Lake gets a bad rap for not having, you know, good beer, good alcohol choices. And I think a lot of people would be surprised to find that the craft brew scene here in Salt Lake has been blowing up. I think there's something like 20 different breweries in the Salt Lake City area. And I've picked one of the the bigger ones, Uenta Brewing, something that should have access to just about anyone that might be listening in. Uh, and that they distribute nationally, but I'm having today the Cutthroat Pellel. This is a this is what I have in my fridge quite often is a six pack of this. Nice, nice. That sounds wonderful. I'm going to have to put that on my rotation. Um, excellent. Well, I'm glad Salt Lake is getting into the game. That that makes uh, makes me very happy. And when I visit, I will I will find some of those 20 different breweries. <laughs> that sounds good. I um, Blake, I'm afraid I'm going to go back to the back of the rack. Um, as a fine Irishman, uh, generationally, uh, my, my father's parents were off the boat. So I'm going back to Guinness. Um, this, of course, for all those Guinness fans out there, is made in Dublin. Uh, it is a draft stout. It's pretty heavy in the alcohol. Uh, and it's uh, known for its smoothness. I do have a quick story about it. One time when I was visiting Ireland for work, I was very sick on the plane on the way over. And Everybody was talking me into, you know, going out for one pint. And I said, I don't feel well. I'm not going. And they said, it's medicinal. You'll feel better tomorrow. And damned if they were right. I had two Guinnesses and felt great the next day. So explain that. So we're going to pour this. And see how that tastes. It's, uh, some people call it mother's milk. I'm going to just call it Guinness. Mm. Oh, so smooth and so good as, as usual. Oh, well, Blake, welcome to Ales with Aslan. I'm very happy to have you. And, and, you know, as I do with all guests that are appearing for the first time, why don't you just give our audience a little bit about yourself and your company and sort of, you know, uh, anything of how we kind of came to be in this, uh, this partnership from your perspective. Sure, Scott. It's, uh, it's kind of funny. I've been talking with the Aslan team for probably close to two years now. Um, you know, and like a lot of your listeners, I've now dabbled both on the sales side and the sales leader side. So I started here at Allencom as a sales executive and over the last 18 months have since taken over the team and I now manage a team of eight sales execs and we primarily target uh, Fortune 1000 type companies. So we are more of a B2B type service organization, but you know, there's a lot of similarities in what we and Aslan do, which is why it's been such a great partnership, you know, um, for the listeners on this call, uh, if you haven't checked out the digital offering that Aslan, Aslan is, is rolling out, you need to ask your, your account person to give you a demo. It's I think really cool stuff. But more so than anything is we're helping transform organizations through through learning. And I think training is something that oftentimes historically has gotten a bad rap. And I think there's a lot of fun things that the world is shifting to and technology helps play a role in that. 
Yeah, it's so true. I mean, I think about this, this all the time because, you know, we, you and I talked about this. There's the ignition phase, um, which in a lot of cases is a workshop like what we offer. And those are awesome for, you know, creating uh, excitement, right? But it's that, it's that day-to-day learning. You have a great phrase um, that you guys use, which I'll let you, I won't, I won't bury the lead. I'll let you come, come out with it. But that, that learning, you know, um, that, that's more ongoing. That's so important, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, oftentimes when I think of training in my corporate life, when I was you know, before here at Alencom, it was that kind of eyes glazing over moment in a lot of the trainings that I participated in. And what, you know, we fall into this trap oftentimes and organizations do this. And I think even I fall into this too of, I, I'm very tied to my content and that, you know, I feel like I, I need everyone to know this and that need to know curriculum is where I think a lot of organizations are falling in the wrong places and spending the wrong amount of investment in the wrong areas and that no one is going to know everything right away. This need to know where you're forcing everything down someone's throat right away doesn't make sense. It's we have to help companies shift to a what to do type curriculum, which, you know, Scott, I mean, for you in your life, when you're going to find something, what do you do if you need to change the light on your, your headlamp on your car? You likely pull out your phone and Google it or watch a YouTube video, something short and sweet, but it's that what I need to know right now. How do I fix it? And here at Allencom, we're really pushing this. How do we integrate training into the flow of work? How do we help people and, and individuals as learners have access to content at the point of need. And, and I think that's a big shift in, in today's economy in that traditionally it was a lot of workshops. And I'm not saying that those don't have value because I do. Uh, I do think that a blended approach is where most things are moving towards. And that's where you know, I'm interested to get your opinion on this too, especially as it relates to salespeople. We're all impatient. You know, we've got the attention span of goldfish is what they say these days. So, you know, here we are drinking like fish, but at the same time, are we training people the right way? Yeah, I think, I think you're exactly right. And we talk about this on, a lot on this show uh, on a week-to-week basis, but it's a question a lot of our customers ask us from time to time, which is, you know, what's the right blend? Um, you know, you get into these large multinational, you know, uh, conglomerates that in some of whom we serve you know, every day, they, they've got, you know, multi-cultures. So you've got, you know, different people that learn different people, different parts of the world put, you know, more of a priority on learning than others. Uh, you know, we've seen other parts of the world that say, it's just, we don't spend money on learning uh, over here. Mm-hmm. Um, where, you know, the U.S. might have a 1500 to $2,000 a year stipend that they kind of put aside for, sales reps to do their continuing education, that might be 10% of that number somewhere else in the world. And so, you know, when a company's doing a, a big rollout, like with a company like yours or ours, what's the right blend that fits everybody? And we, we run into that all the time, right? And so I think it's a, it's a key thing that, to realize that I think the blend is the key and operative word there. And I love your, your term, training in the flow of work, because, you know, while we talk about you know, the preparation, then the ignition, and then that sort of transformation phases of our content, we recognize that there's no way we can do all of the transformation on our own. Uh, mm-hmm. We had another partner on a couple of weeks ago, or it might've been last week with, uh, with SalesLoft, right? They do sales enablement, sales engagement tools. We, we think that's got to play. That's a part of 
of rep engagement over time. You guys with your, you know, training in the flow of work and this digital learning boom that's going on, that's a key component. So I think you're exactly right. I think it's, you know, my opinion is you need all of it or parts of all of it, don't you? Yeah. And, you know, as a, let's say, let's even as a sales leader, if I'm looking at how do I provide the right information to help train my sales execs on, on how to go out and procure business, I think it starts with understanding what your need is and the need being two part. Is it, is it a macro need, you know, being, is this something for the first time, it's something new or something complex, or is it a micro need? Do I need to get help now? I need something new, but it's small. Or is this about looking something up, refresh, recall, and following certain steps? You know, I, I kind of correlate this to if I need to bake cake, I'm not looking to go find a recipe that's having me practice how to stir a bowl or how to do certain things. I want to get the steps. That's more of a micro need you know, versus a macro, whereas I really need a safe environment to practice my skills. It's going to be a longer, more formalized, controlled pr program or curriculum versus micro needs, which are that supportive, informal, on demand. You know, I think that's where there is going to always be a blend between the two, but our our culture, our society, our, you know, what we're used to with consumer technology devices in our pockets, we are much more of an on-demand society now. And that should not be any different in the workplace. Yeah, yeah, that makes, that makes a lot of sense. Now, I know you guys, um, you've actually uh, kind of seen life from both sides of the digital and the workshop. You've actually witnessed, as I understand it, you've witnessed our workshops. And yeah, my client, yeah. Your client, and you, and you, and you built our, our digital learning in concert with our, with our content folks. So you've done, you've done a lot of this. Tell me a little bit about some of the learnings you've, you've seen maybe in your teams in terms of, you know, you know, concepts they've been able to apply and, and some of the learning you've taken from working in our partnership. Sure. I think that's where, you know, having the formalized workshop where, you know, we had Tom come out and, and go through the other center selling model uh, really helped us it was a new process. It's complex. It took a lot of things to unpack the principles of it. And that's where I go to that macro and micro again, having a blended approach for the macro side of it, and then allowing us to use the digital pieces as the micro to help support it and apply it in the real world has been a real game changer for us. You know, just some of the principles overall, and I'm not going to call out all of it, but, you know, we look about being, you know, taking a trip to the see the other's perspective, dropping the rope is something we talk about a lot in our team meetings. So taking the concept from that formal macro or you know, that in-person workshop that we had and using little micro learning sessions in my weekly touch points, my one-on-ones and you know, the digital learning that we helped create together <coughs> has really helped my team's performance. And you know, right now, I can't say it's completely all tied to the Aslan process but we're you know up a fairly substantial percentage on the year and i think we are having more in-depth trusted conversations and we are you know moving up the ladder and becoming that trusted advisor with our clients and not just a transactional you know service company that's out there it's interesting i mean and we hear this all the time um again you know no one's going to give full credit to a training company and nor should they there's so many things that go into a sales transformation or just an enhancement like what you're describing. Um, but little bits and pieces to your point, the, the, the concepts of 
of drop the rope and take the trip and, you know, really foundational behavioral things that you can apply not only in your work life, but in your, in your personal life. Uh, and gosh, we all have those stories, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and then you, and then to your point, taking those macro learnings of, of basic psychology and human behavior and then applying at a micro level on a more, you know, routine, more regular basis. You, you talk about it in your coaching sessions, uh, your, your touch point meetings. That's, that's exactly when we see the most success. Um, it's applying it and sort of recognizing that change is taking place. And that's a, that's a big part of it. Um, you know, I will say though, to add something to that a bit, Scott, and sorry to interrupt you on that, but I think a lot of times, you know, sales leaders, organizations, you know, the HR teams, your internal L and D people, sometimes they fall in this trap where it has to be high tech. We have to buy a platform. We have to go out and get the latest and greatest. And, and that's not necessarily true. And I think that for all of the listeners on this today, it should be that, you know, it's more about finding a way to make it an effortless experience to access that content, whether it's that micro learning or those little performance support tools that you're creating battle cards, wherever you're putting all this content, it has to be in a place that people can find it quickly and easily. If there's more than two clicks or 10 seconds to it, the likelihood of it being used at all goes down dramatically. So no matter what you're doing, if you are creating assets for your sales teams or for, you know, whatever it may be in your organization for training, you have to think of this not only about, yes, let's integrate it into the workflow, but where does this live in this? And there's a quote in the chief learning officer magazine from earlier this year. It's the January, February edition. And uh, a quote from Mike Kennedy, who's the AVP of learning at the MBA And he says that the most underrated trend is effortless access, that every extra click, every extra step is a nuance we can't afford. And I just, I I love that quote because it ties so well into this learning in the workflow and that, you know, if you can't find something, I'm not going to use it. And, And if it's a nuance for me, even more reason. We're all driven by convenience these days. And no matter what it is, these are the things that leaders and coaches and mentors have to start thinking about is, you know, we can train until the cows come home, but if we're not using an approach to make things easy to access and easy to find after the fact, that performance support, that goes away. And you're only relying on that formal training event that you did. Yeah, it's, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm laughing here because, and, and maybe we did this with you, but so many of our clients, we still hand out like a, a double-sided almost reminder of the key concepts of the, you know, two or three day workshop, whatever they've been through, because people still like, you just talk about ease of access. Like it hangs on my cubicle wall (laughs) and it's never more than a glance away from, Oh, don't forget to drop the rope or don't forget to take, Mm -hmm. you know, those, those key concepts that become behavioral after 66 days, just sitting there staring at me off my board like that. We, we honestly believe that there's still room for that paper copy or that laminated copy just to make it super easy. Cause I love your, I mean, two clicks. And if it's more than two clicks, I'm, I might not even wind up finding it or using it. It's a great, it's a great way to think of it, isn't it? Well, and you've nailed it on the head too. It doesn't have to be a fancy video. It doesn't have to be a really high end e-learning. It can be a printed out piece of material. The fact is it has to be thought about of that, you know, where am I accessing it? And if it is digital, it can't be so deeply embedded on your learning management system or on a shared drive. You have to think through, is this very simple to find and access? And that way you really are driving performance change. Yeah. Yeah. 
Exactly right. Well, I've got one more topic I wanted to dig into before we kind of come to a close of another episode. Um, but, you know, as I think about digital learning, which is something, you know, your, yours and uh, our company have spent some significant time, you know, creating. Uh, I hear this term more and more, and I'm not, I'm not sure where it came from, and maybe we even made it up. I have no idea. But we talk about digital learning as a pre-enforcement tool as well as a reinforcement tool. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and we use it that way, but we also use it as, you know, a low-cost replacement tool. And so it got me thinking, like, how do you, you – you do this a lot more often than we do in terms of you helped us as our, you know, expert, resident expert to build this. What do you see out there in terms of the different utilization of digital learning relative or in, you know, in, in contrast to like a workshop type of learning? Yeah, sure. I think so. So workshops, you oftentimes have a mixed bag of individuals coming. Some have experience, some don't. And, you know, what we're, we're looking at today is that our learners are expecting things to be personalized and customized to them. That's just not possible for everyone. So we are looking at what can we do to help individuals that have a variety of different experiences, experience levels still have an impactful, engaging experience in that workshop. And what we've been doing is creating pre-work or little upfront diagnostics that can help either for one, introduce topics, set a baseline of where they are and help provide a, hey, this really is, you know, helping me. This isn't just a turn on the fire hose and and everyone gets the same amount. This is helping me become better at what I'm lacking in. And so we really are encouraging clients to think about this learning journey. Yes, these events or these formal workshops are still really critical, especially when it comes to building a, a cohort and those personal relationships. But by creating personalized experiences, you increase the engagement with your learner, which increases the likelihood that they're buying into what you're trying to get them to do. And then to your point, after the fact, what are you doing? Is there little performance support pieces along the way, whether it's little skills checks, little battle cards, or even videos to help show little you know, things that I need to go back to. What we don't want you to do is have to say, oh, what was that? I need to go look up that one piece on that one product. All right, let me go open up the hour-long e-learning, and I had to go. <laughs> it's like it's just—it's not going to happen. Yes. So that's where it is. Again, it's taking again that effortless experience to make sure we know, you know, what people are as a baseline upfront, helping tailor that workshop based on the feedback received from that pre-work, and then what can we do to help sustain that down the road? And you know, these journeys or you know, blended learning experiences are what's really going to drive ongoing change. The one-off, you know, for those that aren't familiar with the training world, there is this 70-20-10 model in that 70% of what you learn is on the job, 20% is from other people, and 10% is from these formal learning events. We're spending almost all of our time on this training in the 10%, that formal learning experience, and then we're ignoring the other 70. And that's what I keep talking about with this micro versus macro, and that the macro is really the 10%, and everything else we're leaving to chance. And as a, a sales leader, you need to think about that. Like, are you leaving, uh, leaving everything else to chance with that informal or on-the-job component of the training? Yeah. No, I think you nailed it. I, I think, uh, and we agree. I mean, um, 
you know, we, we are a big part, we think of that ignition phase, but we recognize there's so much in the, what we just call the transformation phase where you've, you've armed your coaches to sort of be on the lookout for those behaviors. And then obviously making the investments we have in this digital learning in concert with Alencom to, to make sure we have those reinforcement tools, pre-enforcement tools, um, and, and those ways to, I love your word, effortlessly get back to the learning that's so important to keep us moving in the right direction. So, wow, I cannot believe how quickly this has flown by, but I, do, I would be remiss if I didn't say, you know, um, how can people, Blake, how can they learn more about your, your company? And I'm sure you got a website and, and some of that kind of stuff. Yeah, and, and thank you for that, Scott. So if anyone wants to find me, I, I'm available on LinkedIn, Blake, B-L-A-K-E-B-E-U-S is my last name. Uh, you can find me on LinkedIn. Uh, for anyone that's interested in seeing what Alencom does, you know, we've been around for 40 years, so we've got, we've got a lot of stories to tell, and I appreciate you giving me a chance to share some of them today. Yeah. But you can look us up at alencom.com, that's A-L-L-E-N-C-O-M-M.com. There's uh, a lot of cool stuff that we do and I would be happy to talk with anyone that's interested. And it has been a joy having you on the show. Hopefully you had as much fun as I did on another episode of Ales with Aslan. Thanks everyone for listening. We'll see you in another week. Enjoy the beer.